Welcome to the 62nd edition of Make Pro Wrestling Majestic Again. I am Tiger Height. And I am Peanut Gallery. And we are talking about everything Money in the Bank and Money in the Bank related. But first, Peanut Gallery. For Hecklin, what are we going to be chatting about? Well, we're going to be chatting about um, the, the I guess, the role that wrestling is now playing, like in terms of how the WWE is is signing people versus how AEW signs people. And the inspiration I got from this was not only the signing of Logan Paul, but also a very interesting uh, tweet or, or thing that Alex Hammerstone actually said about indie wrestlers. Okay. And what Alex Hammer... I don't have a picture of it on here. I couldn't find a good enough one. Um, but what he said essentially was... WWE signs someone like Logan Paul. He's got the looks. He's got the act. He's a decent wrestler. And then you have all the indie guys saying, oh, I should just do more flippity flip shit, and then I'll be noticed to what? get signed by a big company. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But that is, I, I think what he is speaking to is he is speaking to the mentality that independent wrestlers have Especially when it comes to being signed by a company that has a national television presence, like the WWE, like AEW, like even even smaller promotions like NWA, like Impact Wrestling, like New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's a there's a certain mentality that wrestlers, wrestling fans. Uh, that uh, wrestling executives are looking for when they're looking for top prospects. And I say Logan Paul is a really good example of the direction that WWE is going because we also recently got WWE's second class of next-in-line and, and then they, they did, did that MMA, MMA star, and that totally flops in that, that you have to do flippy shit mentality. mentality. Here is the difference between a person like Logan Paul and these indie wrestlers who are working. Logan Paul is noticed. Mm -hmm. WWE is not a wrestling company. Right. They just happen to do wrestling. And I think this reinforces my point in that WWE is not looking for wrestlers. But they do have wrestlers. It's like, okay, well, what about Gunther? What about um, what about Roman Reigns? Is he doing a bunch of flippy dippy shit? No. No, he's not. For WWE, it's not about if you're. It's not, it's about, not about flippy dippy shit. Right. It's about no. It's about marketing yourself. It's knowing how to get noticed. Walter knew how to do that. Roman Reigns took this ball and ran with it. Right. Logan Paul did the same thing. But let's talk about that because I think uh, I think well, we're we're kind of going off on a different tangent mm. with re with regards to Walter Gunther. Well, uh, WWE did tell him to to improve his presentation. Yes. Um, but I think but again I'm trying to highlight the fact that. Even though Vince McMahon is not technically in charge, this, I think, with the signing of Logan Paul, was largely a Stephanie and Triple H yes. vision. This oh, was 100%. their vision to bring Logan Paul in to do multiple shows a year. Right. And I think it highlights what WWE's focus is on. And we can contrast this with what AEW 
is is focusing on with regards to looking for wrestling talent, right? And and doing all of these now, and doing all of you know like like uh, Forbidden Door stuff, like right. all the stuff they did with NJP. Here's the, like that's their focus, right? right. Let's, Let's talk. talk. You, you did, did bring up one thing that I thought was really interesting is that they signed or um, they announced the next round of the NIL, which yeah. we talked about in a previous episode, and Triple H being back at the helm within NXT. Um, I think this is a net positive overall, and this is where WWE is going, is they don't want indie people. Right, but here's the thing about Triple H going back to NXT. Triple H is not going to turn NXT back to black and gold. He is not going to return it to what it was previously. Black and gold is pretty much dead because that is not the direction of the company anymore. Right. They did that before because right. of AEW's impending presence. Yes. But since AEW has been kind of up and down pretty much, kind of hanging out at the 1 million, WWE doesn't care about that. Right. WWE, um, I think they lost their way between uh, 2015 and 2020. Yep. Um, I think that the reason that they brought Nick Khan in was to improve, it was to streamline the image that WWE is trying to present. Right. Um, and the, the reason that we got all of these releases over the past couple of years, especially in 2020 and 2021, was because they were trying to clean house of all of those indie stars. Yep. You would be hard set to find anyone left in the WWE who was not born and raised in the system. Right. Now, there are some that are obvious, like Walter, like Riddle, like Tommaso Ciampa, like, um, oh, God, there was one right off the top of my head, and I'm drawing a horrible blank. Uh, Roxanne Perez. A lot of these uh, superstars may be indie darlings, mm-hmm. but, but they, they aren't super experienced with right. it other than maybe Walter and Tommaso. Right. So, so they, they have, have the opportunity to really develop a new character. And, and, and even then, WWE has a system in a way of, of changing names, for example, telling people to lose weight to look more presentable on television. Right. And obviously I'm speaking about Gunther, but there are other superstars who are, if you're willing to change for the E, then the E will keep you around. Right. And that's that's why you're not getting a lot of backlash anymore about uh, Pete Dunne becoming Butch. Right. Like, like, there wasn't an issue with it. It was about the presentation that they're trying to go for. And right. with this clarity, now we can kind of see the direction WWE is 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 trying to build their reputation off of presentation over flippy shit. Right. And I think that that is what Alex Hammerstone and many other people have been talking about for a long time and that's what we've been talking about for a long time too. Right. There we've, we've talked about the fact that WWE is not looking for wrestlers anymore. Right. right. Now, now there, there are, are some wrestlers, wrestlers now that we're not trying to discourage anybody from chasing their dream on being in the E, but your expectations are going to be marketing based and more of a map based wrestling based other than maybe some names. But the issue is, is that like Ricochet, he was already marketable to a crowd. So that's why he can still do it. But they're not looking for, like, doing 100 million flips, right. doing 100 million moves if you can't market yourself. Right. And let's contrast the 
ease direction here to, well, they have this one, which I think is also right. a good one. And, and I saw this, I'm like, this is an interesting and, dynamic. And, and here's my theory about NXT UK, because NXT UK is undergoing a lot of changes as well. Yep. And I don't think that people realize it, because NXT UK is not very prominently featured on pretty much anything. Like it was, it was a hard, it was hard for them to get going because they started to really pick up the momentum right before the pandemic right. hit, and they are in England, and it took them a lot longer to get out of it. But let's talk about NXT UK's future. I, it's hard because I don't know if NXT UK has a lot of a future. I don't think so, um, because basically what they were trying to do originally was NXT being in different territories right. and having this black and gold feature. This feature is going to be gone. Right. And it's unfortunate to tell you, unless they want to do a total refresh, rebrand to this presentation. But the problem is, is that now you're going to be running into a different style of wrestling, which was British Strong Style. Right. Um, they might do something different with, like, the black and gold in general and maybe make it look a little bit better. But I think overall the wrestling is yeah. going to be very much the same. And I, and I want to get your opinion on this, too, because I noticed something else that is, that is developing um, and I saw this most prominently with, uh, with um, uh, uh, oh, God, what's her name? Blair Davenport. Or uh, uh, Bea Presley. Yeah. Um, she is undergoing a character change right yep. now. She is becoming a lot more of a character than she was in the past, especially on the indies. Right. right. Um, I think that the direction that WWE wants to go is that if, if, if Priestley or Davenport wants to stay in the WWE long term. I don't see her being in NXT UK for too much longer. I see nope. her going to NXT 2.0. Yep. I think what they're trying to do with this is they are trying to resuscitate as many characters from NXT UK as they can to repackage them and then to encourage them to move over to NXT 2.0. Right. right. I think that by the end of the year, NXT UK as a brand is going to be dead. You saw, well, look at Trent Seven, Trent Seven turn heel. Right. And it's like, what is he going to be doing now? Here, and also, I think you brought up another thing is character base. You don't have to do a wacky, silly character no. if it's not you. Just take what is given to you and crank it up to 11. But, but, the, but the point I'm trying to make is that NXT UK is developing developing characters, essentially. Because, yeah, because um, look at Jordan Devlin. Jordan right. Devlin went from, he's debuting in NXT UK here in a minute. Or, uh, not NXT UK, uh, NXT 2.0 here in a but, minute. But he is, he is more of a character than he was even like yeah. last year, even oh. two years ago. Most certainly. Um, That's why a kid didn't work. That's why we haven't seen Nathan Fraser on television in a while. Right, because, because his character is just not working for the WWE system. they got to do something different with him. Right. Um, and yeah, NXT UK as a brand is is going by the wayside. Now, they're utilizing NXT UK right now as a place for people to go and find that character to introduce them to a larger audience in right. NXT 2.0. But as a brand, it's NXT... It's a farm system to the farm system. Right. But as a brand, NXT UK, what we have, all the stuff that we have seen, you know, like they haven't done much to the brand and I think that's because I think that their long-term vision is to no longer have this brand. Right. Uh, let's talk about Tony Khan with the opposite of right. more wrestling, and, and, or more flippy-based. Right, and let's talk about the, I guess, the opposite side of the story here. Because in parallel to WWE's farm system, 
it's becoming abundantly clear to me that Tony Khan is also working on the the development of his own farming system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with Dark and Dark Elevation, I don't see those two brands surviving too much longer either. I see those being consolidated into maybe a separate roster that is Ring of Honor. Well, how, <coughs> excuse me. How they do Dark and Dark Elevation is to expose indie wrestlers right. who want to get a booking but not necessarily be within the plans yet. It's more about how do how does the live reaction fans respond to these individuals. Right. But they're not getting a lot of views. They're not getting a lot of ratings. They're, on, they're, on, they're YouTube shows right. that, that don't do well. Well, no, the problem is, is that you're looking at a YouTube, a YouTube show and a show that is on television are two totally different things. And, and I don't think AEW gets that. Right. There's a different presentation. There's a different quality expectation. And when you as a company that's trying to go after the biggest promotion, you don't do that with a YouTube show. Right. You just don't. Right. And, and I think that the point I'm trying to get is, is that there are these two parallel, I guess, paths that are being presented. Right. And I think it depends on what your value system is as a wrestler. Right. Are you are you a colorful character that is easily moldable that that can become somebody different and turn that personality up to 100? Then E might then be the, the way to go. Right. Because you'll have more opportunities to develop yourself, and they have the resources to give you a character. Now, say you're not necessarily the biggest character in the world, or maybe you want more of a balance, but you have a special set of skills that are, allow are you to highlight those in a way that is appreciated. There are plenty of other companies. Right. It's not just A or B anymore. Right. And it's like, look at Matt Cardona. He doesn't wrestle for AEW, and he doesn't wrestle for WWE, right. and yet he's one of the most popular acts in wrestling. Right. He's a mix of that character-based guy right. and the wrestling-based guy that we know that he is. Right. He's a great example of that. It's not just A or B anymore. You right. can go to Impact, NWA. You can go to these places but now. What I'm talking about these, is... These are the big boys. Right. What I'm talking about is a fully developed system. Right. I think that with, with some sort of renewed... I don't really know what Tony Khan's interest in Ring of Honor as a brand is. But we're seeing more shows from it, though. We're, we're seeing some more shows. And what I think is going to happen, because he is bringing a lot of indie wrestlers into Ring of Honor. Yep. He is doing all of that stuff. I think what he's trying to do is to do something very similar to what is being done with Elevation, Dark Elevation and Dark. Right. Is that he is, I think, like I said, I think that he is going to replace those internet shows with a product like Ring of Honor because it is a more attractive um, a product, and I think that it, it could possibly get some television. Right. And it, it, it already has history of television. Exactly. And they can do it for maybe even a cheaper price. Exactly. Maybe not necessarily a big one, maybe not a TBS or a TNT-esque uh, But But maybe highlight. one of their smaller properties. Right. Um, and to, and, and to um, I guess, increase that production quality, to have the history there, to have the titles there. And I think that's part of the reason why it's already it's already established. Right. It's that's already the there. It's Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is already a name yeah. brand that a lot of indie people really wanted to go to. Right. That are they're familiar with it. Right. And I think that that is a great attraction point for indie people who want to 
highlight those indie moves and it's, and on it's, a bigger stage. Right, and it's not just, you know, the indie people that we don't know. Maybe it's a person that's not on television at um, AEW right. level, like what they're doing with Cage and Khan and all of right. them. It's a great place for them. Then you have credibility right there. Right. But then you also have maybe people recovering from an injury who need to knock the ring rust off, maybe not as much of a fast pace. And uh, focus. Right, and I can see a lot of people from AEW uh, moving, being moved to the Ring of Honor brand, maybe on a more full-time basis as well. Yep, I see um, that too. And I, I think that that's pretty much what it's going to be. Ring of Honor is going to turn into what I NXT hope Black and Gold was. I really hope so. Yeah. I think that would just be a wonderful mix of the two. And you're right, it would be a brand that's already recognized with titles that are already established and maybe have a wrestling school, maybe like more of a polish sort of wrestling school thing. So, you know, uh, maybe not necessarily gatekeep, but say how many years of experience within other circuits do you have? Can we see some matches from you instead of fresh young people? Right. And I think that would be a great sort of addition to not only polish the wrestling for television, but maybe even polish characters right. to maybe even go to the E. And that's and that's that's kind of this this what? could be the NXT UK for AEW. Maybe right. NXT UK will convert to that polish of both on a smaller stage with maybe more of a crowd that likes more of the map base. So it's not as right. the expectations are maybe not lowered but different. Right. Does that make sense? So yeah, I think that makes and, sense. And so I, like I said, I think I think that we're gonna try and get as much consolidation as possible because people, because that's just the way the industry is going yep. right now. Um, consolidation and and just trying to find their voices. And I think that um, if if my theory comes to fruition, great. If not, then whatever. But right. um, I think it's something interesting to consider. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, when are we gonna do? Are you good? I'm I'm good. That's all okay. I got. Great. Uh, let me let us know what you think about these. What do you think are the long term plans of these brands on what they're thinking of, and what do you think of WWE's stance now comparison to AEW's? We want to hear from you in the comments wherever you are listening or watching this. So when we come back, we're gonna be talking about cash in prizes of professional wrestling and the history of such. So we are back, and I'm going to be talking about the history of more about cash and prizes-esque things. Now, uh, some honorable mentions before we go into it, because uh, they've skipped a couple of years every now and then, and it was really hard to kind of make sure that that was there. It was um, the Exhibition Championships Option C. They haven't done it in a while, so I didn't think that it would have been appropriate here. And there were just like a couple of other titles that had more of a cash in, but they're a little more indie indie. So I didn't think it was quite necessary to really do that. But let's talk about obviously the mainstay is Money in the Bank, which was introduced in, two, in uh, WrestleMania 21. 21, yeah. Jesus Christ, I feel old. That was like 20 years ago. Um, and out of the. Obviously, it was a briefcase where if you cashed in at any point at any time, you would get an automatic championship match. It, it's never explicitly said that it was a world championship match. It was It's any title, this can be cashed in. But obviously, if you are a wrestler in the E, you want to do that. The idea of having it at any time in any place was actually Edge's idea. When he had the original Money in the Bank, he pitched the idea to have it at any time to Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon 
when he grabbed the briefcase, he um, told Edge, you better prove me right. You better prove yourself right here. So Edge had a lot riding on him taking that ultimate opportunist persona that he had and really incorporating it with Money in the Bank. And that's kind of how we have it because the original idea for Money in the Bank was you let them know ahead of time and then you get the automatic title match at the next pay-per-view. That was the original intent of Money in the Bank. So this was written before Money in the Bank this year. Out of 26 winners before the 2022's event, uh, 22 cash-ins led to title switching hands, and every single women cash-in was a successful one, including this year's. So that is five, five cash-in for the women. So that is pretty cool. And also, they don't do it as often as I really want them to, but Money in the Bank can and has been defended in the past. There was one where Rob Van Dam, defending the Money in the Bank briefcase that he won at 22, took on Shelton Benjamin in a winner-takes-all. And then, remember, Mr. Kennedy, who had Money in the Bank, he got injured, and Edge had to take the Money in the Bank off of him and cash it in on Undertaker that same exact week. So the opportunity here has been defended, and we will most likely see more in the future. But those are just some of the prominent examples of that. Let's go to more of a tournament and date-based thing. And it's not just the G1 Climax, but I'm going to be talking about Best of the Super Juniors, the, Super, um, the World Tag League, and the Junior Tag League. Because all of them are principally the same thing, different titles on the line. So the original G1 Climax was how New Japan really started back in the late 80s. And Antonio Inoki, is the, um, he won the first one because this was when it was shoot. So he won the first one, and he won 10 of them after that. But it wasn't called the G1 Climax at that time. Uh, the names actually went through several incarnations and several reasons for it. And it wasn't until the 1990 uh, G1, I'm going to say G1 as an example because it's the same base tournament, the 1991 or the 1990 G1 where a championship or a title opportunity was presented for the tournament. And ever since then, that has been the case. And they decided that the person who got the title match was going to go to Wrestle Kingdom in the later part of the 90s. So at first it was for the championship, and they only defended the title during the tournament. But now they do it at Wrestle Kingdom, which was the big show that they started doing in the 90s. Uh, Hulk Hogan won this. Antonio Inoki has won this. Kenny Omega is the only non-Japanese wrestler to win the G1. But, and it's, it's a big but, Andre the Giant has won this tournament, but it was called the World League at the time. Would you consider that being the G1? I kind of do. And this tournament is still going on today. They're just about to start it back up, and um, I'm excited for it. I think they're introducing more international guys, and that's always fun. And let's talk about briefly the best of the Super Juniors. Because this one doesn't have as long of a history because it started in 1994. But Hiromu Takahashi, is he has the most wins of the tournament. 
and he has three consecutive, which is more consecutive wins than anybody else, and Jushin Thunder Liger was the first one to win, and in non-kayfabe, he was the one who introduced the best of the Super Juniors tournament to New Japan, and they decided to go with it. And with World Tag League and the Junior Tag League, very similar and very similar in time because the best of the super juniors does not get the title opportunity at wrestle kingdom they get the title opportunity at dominion because of when it starts like in march where obviously the um uh, g1 starting here in july and august will get the opportunity at wrestle kingdom because wrestle kingdom is in january right. they usually end it around november right so kind of an interesting little history snippet there let's talk about titles because there have been a couple of different championships that have had the cash it in and get the title opportunity right. and of course this is barring anything like the option c for example mm. like these are titles specifically meant to be cashed in right or there's consistency with the promotion of the gimmick right so gift of the gods is a great example of this because albeit a very brief history it was meant to be cashed in and then they get the title opportunity uh, what I really liked about Gift of the Gods is that the um, qualifying matches for the medallions uh, from these tribes, because it was all revolved around Aztec lore. And what I really liked about this is that it made it feel special when you got the medallion, you stuck it in the title, and then you wrestle in a seven-way match to get the Gift of the Gods. Now, this title is like any other championship. It could be defended, it can be stripped, and we've seen both of those in the past. Out of six cash-ins, five were successful. The only one who was not successful was Brian Cage on winning the Lucha Underground Champion. That was the obvious prize there. Uh, there were some wrestlers that never actually got to cash in the Gift of the Gods champion because they lost the title before. Uh, one of them was King Cuerno, who beat Phoenix, who was the first champion, and then Phoenix beat him back to get that and then cash it in and become successful. And uh, the last champion was Jake Strong because he cashed it in and won the Lucha Underground champion at Ultima Lucha Quattro back in 2018? Something like that. Something like that. Um, I, I loved Lucha Underground. I really did. Let's talk about one which is kind of a weird one because there is a history to the actual cash-in, but they modified it slightly, and that was the NWA World's Television Champion. And so this is so so. This is not just... Like, it's not one of those titles where, like, it's a secondary thing. Like, at a certain point in time, what you're saying is it actually was the reason that the television title existed. Yes. yes. So, so what, what they, they did back in the day was every 10 defenses, they would actually have the opportunity to go for the world's heavyweight champion. Right. It's not like option C. Right. But It was not at a base pay-per-view. It was based on a number of title defenses. Okay. Yeah. And it was only it was only an option. You right. did not have to right. cash in this championship to get the opportunity. So it's kind of a unique uh, unique situation there. It's right. kind of a hybrid between a couple of different things. Right. And the television champion, they have now the lucky seven rule, which is introduced on January twenty eighth of twenty twenty, 
where uh, if they if the champion defended it seven consecutive times and won it successfully, they would receive a match for the world's heavyweight champion. The thing is, is that we have not seen this implementation yet. But we probably are. We probably are here with Tyrus because he just had his sixth. Yeah. Now, is he going to be stripped of the championship? Is it going to be like a dual champion situation? We don't know. Um, and I think that's what's exciting about this is that we just have no clue. Now... They, this championship also had a weird one because the television champion always had a time limit for uh, championship matches. The NWA had, has, even still to this day, for non for title matches in a pay per view, ten minutes. Right. You had to get the, the if you are the challenger, you have to beat the champion within ten minutes to get that. Right. And um, they're still doing that today. I like it, and I'm really liking the whole Tyrus thing. I think it's a great way to um, introduce the prestige of the champion yeah. to somebody, albeit controversial, right. um, has name brand outside of wrestling with his Fox affiliation. If we're going to be talking about a match or a tournament or something to cash in, let's talk about not only the Royal Rumble, but the original idea for NXT. Right. Because remember, it was a game show. Right. Where the winner was not only announced as the breakout star, but they got a championship match of their choosing. Right. Um, it only lasted like two seasons. Right. And then after that, they just got a contract for WWE, despite them already being under contract in their developmental system, but kayfabe. So, right. Kind of weird thing there. Uh, obviously, let's talk about the Royal Rumble, where they did not have the championship match at WrestleMania until the 1990 Royal Rumble. Uh, the first two years was just a big battle royal to really promote... Uh, the, the next flavor of the uh, the next flavor right. of the month. So it was more so of a showcase than it was an opportunity. But now they do the oppor they do the opportunity at WrestleMania for the Royal Rumble. I don't think it's necessary to go through uh, the actual thing. Uh, the winner of the women's does the same thing. They get to go for a right. women's champion. We don't have to go the history of it. We, right. If you're, it's if not, you're it's a long-time wrestling fan, you pretty much know the history of it. Right. But let's talk about NXT because I think NXT is not as well known. And, and what type of NXT are we talking about? This is this was on Sci-Fi replaced ECW. So this was the game. Season. This was the game show version of it. Yes. Okay. This was that was the original That's a good NXT concept. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was named the exact same thing. All that fun stuff. So Wade Barrett, the first person to win NXT, got the title opportunity at that year's uh, Night of Champions. He was added to the match, and WWE was really pushing Wade Barrett at that time as like a main event crew because the Nexus was white hot at that point. I'll be honest. I think he should have still held the WWE He should have won it. Oh, absolutely. But no, Randy Orton won it. So there you go. Uh, Caval, season two's winner, or also known as Low Key, won it and faced Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental Champion at the Survivor Series of the year that he won it, but he lost and was released because they were weird. Uh, Caitlin, when she won it, she got a contract. Mm -hmm. so, so she, she never, never went for, she never, she never got, got an opportunity for the Divas champion. She, she just got it. Right. And that was season three. Johnny Curtis, who won season four, 
actually debuted on the main roster in June of that year. I think he won it in uh, February. Yeah. Excuse me. And he and um, uh, Derek Bateman went for the tag team champions mm -hmm. against Team Hell No. Obviously, they were not successful, but they did bring that back. And season five... They didn't have a winner. Right. They, they just, just kind of stopped, stopped doing it. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of there. And one more that I really want to talk about because it's a more of a unique situation is CMLL's tournament-based. So what you see here is the universal champion of that program. Or Campeonato Universal. Yes. Same. It's the same thing. Right. So what happens with this is that the winner of this gets to face the CMLL World Heavyweight Champion later down the line. It never really gives a so, so it's a title that you get for winning a tournament that then allows you to uh, go for the world title or whichever title is 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 relevant to that tournament, right? Um, for that tur for that title, right? But I mean, and I really wanted to illustrate this with uh, CMLL because they have a bunch of different tournaments. Right. They have it for the women. They have it for uh, like um, legends, the International Grand Prix, which is kind of the same thing, except. Uh, it is only for um, outside wrestlers right. to come in and be introduced. So, like, the Universal and Women's are only for Mexican professional wrestlers. Right. But then you have the Blue Legend, which is really more of a showcase of the top promotions, wrestlers, than really anything else. You have the Silver Legend, which is more of the mid-carter, but you get a championship match at some point in time. The King of the Air, which is, again, the same thing. You kind of get it. Um, and before you get into it, well, what about Triple A? Triple A has tournaments, but the tournaments are not really necessarily for titles they're not for, or they're not like They're not like things you can like cash in for. No, there is no cash in. What that does is really introduce the uh, audience to who they're going to be promoting into the next generation. So um, Ray De Reyes, the King of Kings tournament, which was won by Elio Del Vikingo the last year, not obviously this year, but 2021, is now the uh, mega champion. Mm -hmm. And then you have Psycho Clown, who won it, who will most likely be facing Vikingo or whoever is champion at the end of Triple Mania, for the title, right? Because that's how they but, do that. But again, um, so it, it's really interesting because I wonder what uh, what the Owen Hart uh, championships, the, the tournament. Uh, I think those, the, those champions are they going to be cash-ins or, or? I think they're. Is, I think I think they're more just gaudy, uh, like uh, just, window dressing. Right. It's, it's more to promote the Owen Hart Foundation than anything. So, I guess we'll see if that results in anything. Anyways, yep. that's is that all you got? Yeah, that's really all I got. So, there's just some fun little cash and stuff. When we come back, we're talking about money in the bank. Nice.
and we are back. Peanut Gallery, we're talking about Money in the Bank. It was at MGM Grand. We did not go because the tickets were really expensive. And we had to, we had to drop Mothership off at the airport at 4.30 in the morning. So yeah, that, that was not yeah. fun. I mean, I, I totally would have gone down there if it was not the case. But it is, it was, it, it, it is what it is. So. Let's talk about this. I was disappointed in how it turned out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the overall show. Let's do it at the end. All right, all right, all right. I all know. Right. You want to get it done. Let's talk about the women's money in the bank ladder match. Definitely the better of the two. Let me give an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. I'm giving it a full thumbs down. Um, uh, there, there were a bunch of really scary, unnecessary botches. Okay. Um, Shotzi was not informed oh God, tonight no. at all. Uh, she fucked up a running up a ladder spot, tried to do a DDT, looked like yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Shotzi tried to up Alexa Bliss, and then they both fall backwards, Alexa Bliss slamming the back of her head onto the ladder yeah. like a fucking sandwich, and then Shotzi... Does a sent on, Shotzi clips it, and then starts bleeding everywhere. Yeah, Shotzi just didn't do well with this match. I do not know what the hell was going Shotzi on. Shotzi was kind of a... She's usually in good form. Yeah, and Shotzi like, was, a, was a shit stain. Um, let's talk about uh, the, the famous booty miss from... Uh, oh, Becky Lynch. The Becky Lynch booty miss yeah, to so Asuka. Becky, so Asuka was laying on the ladder to do the little break into the ladder spot that they always do. Becky Lynch was supposed to go off of another ladder and do a leg drop. But she overshot it and clipped the very tail end yep. of the ladder... And Asuka, I think, got some of it because it, like, grazed her, and she was screaming in pain. Oh, man, it was this was a scary match, and people were like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, anyways, like I said, I think it was the stronger of the two just in terms of who, like, but it, it just wasn't very, it wasn't a very good start to the show. Let's no, put it that way. it was a scary start to the show. Yeah. And um, let's talk about the people that did pretty well, though. I Liv, thought, I Liv thought. Morgan, Liv Morgan, obviously. Liv Morgan did well. Bliss did pretty well. Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans was okay. This was her first match back, and no one gave her the time of day to, like. What do you thought? No, it's not. She, she won, won a qualifying match to get this spot. Oh, that's she, right. Yeah, she wrestled a couple of times before this. This was one of the bigger ones. Uh, she was very popular with yeah, the crowd. Yeah, she was. Um, Raquel Rodriguez continues to be very impressive yeah. in the ring as like the powerhouse. Yeah. She wrestles like it. It's good. Um, Asuka, I, it was hard for me to really determine who was really leading this match in general, yeah. which is not the best of situations, right. um, especially given some of the inexperience from some yeah. of them. But Liv Morgan won. Um, I'm happy that she did because she deserves it, and a lot of people lost their minds about that. Yeah, but it was still, it was still uh, pretty I can't, crappy. I, I can't look past the botches. Yeah. Despite me just so happy for Liv, I still have to give this a full thumbs down. I gave this it was a I, rough it, one. Orange Cassidy thumbs down. Mm. I thought the winner was fine. Like I said, um, better yeah. of the two. Let's, let's it was overall just a really bad show. <laughs> now, I, I said this before, and let's try to make this majestic again. I don't think that this could have been redeemed based on the quality of the wrestling in the ring. Right. They were just, it was a victim of circumstance botches. Yeah. I liked how every woman had to qualify to get in there, and they gave it plenty of time through the weeks to get people familiar with the characters on television. That's true. That's what I liked about yeah. this, and I wouldn't have done it any other way. Um, they had the um, brand versus brand thing with all the participants except for Becky Lynch on SmackDown last week. Good showcase. 
uh, once again, the qualifying matches, all good. I'm not mad about that. Let's talk about, well, while we're here on Bliss. Also, Liv Morgan definitely deserved it. Right. I wouldn't have done that. Let's talk about, while we're here, the, uh, the um, it's not Capital One. It's Credit One commercial with Alexa Bliss. Oh, yeah. Two thumbs down. Oh. It was just god-awful. Fuck the doll. Yeah, yeah, they, they did, did like a thing where, where apparently yeah, uh, Liddy, Linny, whatever her name is, the stupid doll thing apparently goes shopping. shopping. Um, this, this is basically telling anybody that you can steal anybody's credit card to buy stupid gaudy shit if you're giving it to them, and you can't do that. That is very illegal, and why isn't the doll locked up? Right. Anyways, it was, it everyone, was a bad, everyone oh. booed. It was two thumbs down. I wanted to bring that up because, of course, the one of the main characters in that commercial is in this match as well. Yeah. And I didn't want to overlook it. No, I, I agree with you. I think it was a good idea. All right, let's talk about the second match. Theory versus Bobby Lashley. Everyone's favorite, Austin Theory versus Bubby. I like the match. I'm going to give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I'm going to give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up as well. Definitely one of the better matches. Yep. Um, Theory should have kept the title. I mean, theory, take what you will with theory. Bobby Lashley looked great. Yep. Um, it was it was just a match. It was just there. It was it was a good power. No, I liked it. I thought um I thought that they um sort of explained why they did this really well. Yes, they did. Uh, they did a really they did a pretty good I didn't like the premise of the storyline, but I do like how they explained it. It was very short and sweet, and it's just to the point. It didn't overstay its welcome. Right. It was a hurt lock for Bobby Lashley to win. I was surprised about that. Yeah, I was surprised about that as well. it is what it is. And that's why I've been getting given an Orange Cassidy thumbs up, uh, especially with hindsight being there. Yeah. Um, if they kind of left everything as it was, it would have been a full thumbs up. Mm. But uh, because I just don't think Fury is ready for what they're putting him into yet. So... It is what Let's it is. Let's talk about the next match. Well, how would you make this majestic again? We didn't do that. We just talked about the match. Here's the thing. Um, I would have I would have had uh, Fury. I, well, number one, I would have dragged this on maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, well, actually, no, because there are other things in store for Theory. That's the problem. I think it happened right where it needed to happen. Um, and Lashley can... Take the title to somebody else because honestly, Lashley's a transitional champion. We're gonna yep. be seeing that theme quite a bit over the course of, of this night. Yep. Um, but there are gonna be a lot of transitional champions. I think that Lashley is just a victim of he didn't have anything else to do right after the rivalry with Omas ended, and this is what he's given. Right. Um I'm you know, I'm I'm sort of conflicted. I like Lashley, but at the same time, does he really need this title? I'm kind of in that boat. The United States champion is not meant for, like, oh, just go and play around with this title. It's meant for the bright future of the well, WWE. Again, with the with the world title situation as it is right now. Kind of a mess. Yep, it is. You know. We're, we're going to have this issue again. Uh, this is what happens when you have part-timers win the world champion. Right. Well, okay, Roman Reigns was not a part-timer but now when he, is. he won the title. But now he is. Well, who else could fucking win the belt? Right. So... Uh, Bianca Belair and Carmella for the Raw Women's Champion. The give an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. Yeah, I'll do the same. It was a match. It was a match. It was just there. The only the the only thing one number one Corey Graves was bothering the shit out of me. Can we not have Corey Graves always bothers the shit out of me, especially with Carmella matches? Yeah. I don't fucking care if that's your fucking wife. I don't. I literally don't care. There's I don't care. Zero. There's zero percent of me that cares. It's right. like you are a commentator. 
and the fact that you cannot hold yourself to this is making you look like a weak commentator. That's true. If Corey Graves is, if they, if WWE really wants to continue to do this, either tone it down like a, by a bunch or just be unbiased. That's what a commentator. But is let's but let's to talk do. about Bianca Belair's title reign thus far because it's been pretty meh. Like, it has. Like it's it's not it's the same old shit. It's it's just it's just last year again. Right. It's uh, it, it's the same thing. We're not saying that that's necessarily bad because of Bianca. But Bianca, I want Bianca's awesome. But I want to see Bianca's character evolve. Right. I want to see something different. Right. I want to. I want to. You're right, and that's what we're missing right now. We're missing the evolution of the character. It's the same thing. Right. From, but even even from NXT, I've, I've I've seen more evolution from Becky Lynch in the last five months than I have with Bianca Belair throughout her career. Right. It's kind of getting old. It, it, Becky it is. Becky Lynch is keeping herself kind of fresh and relevant, even if she doesn't have a title. Right. She, she manages to put herself into the spotlight because she knows how. And we talked about this at the very beginning of the show. You need to be able to adapt in WWE in order to stay alive. I don't know. Right. And you're absolutely right. And right now, the only reason that Bianca Belair is having the championship, because Bianca Belair is damn fucking good. I love Bianca Belair. But you're absolutely right. Her character, she's been doing the same thing for, I am not kidding you, years. Yeah. And it's like, okay, there are... This is men. Right. Stone Cold Steve Austin had more character development. Right. Even though he was still a badass Texas redneck, he did other things. He did, right. And Bianca Belair has been doing the same thing for, yeah, for God knows how long at this point. And, it's just, and, it's, and you, you can kind of almost predict her promos at this point. That's what that's And, what and they, did it, they did it so often that it's getting ridiculous. It's like, okay, she's a baby face. Maybe a heel turn is necessary. Right. Now, Carmella was put in this position because of Rhea Ripley's injury. The, right, um, and that's what that was. And again, I think I think Rhea Ripley was going to beat Carmella. I think Rhea Ripley was going to beat uh, Bianca for this title. I think they're waiting because Rhea Ripley has all the momentum right now. She has a new character, yeah, not, white hot, but she just got hurt. Right. So, anyways, not her fault, you know. Yeah. Well, I have I have my own opinions on Judgment Day. There's a reason they weren't on the show, but oh. let's. They so disappointed me on that. Let's talk about how we could make this. We can't really do much to make it majestic again. I mean, I would have, I would have done. Once again, they backed me into a corner here. Um, Carmelo won a random ass fatal four way, returning on that night and winning it, which I thought was stupid. If they were gonna do this, I'm sorry. I would have taken Carmella out and put in Becky Lynch. I would have done that again. Yeah. And did it with a stipulation that either Becky can't go for the title. Or Bianca, when she loses, she cannot go for the title as long as Becky is champion. Right. Give, a, give a different perspective on it to more of a desperation yeah, maybe. tactic. Yeah, maybe. That's the only thing that I could do to even salvagely redeem this opportunity is because Carmella did not deserve to be in this. Asuka was winning. Becky Lynch was at least a former champion and winning. Alexa Bliss was the other girl that was in that fatal four-way, and she was – no, it was Dewdrop. And Dewdrop had the momentum. Like, everybody was there for a reason other than Carmella. Right. And that's why this was, to me, an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. At the very least, it was wrestled. Right. The follow-up is going to be how you're going to dictate the rest of this title. Right. I think she's losing it at SummerSlam. 
I think she's gonna lose it to Rhea. I think Rhea's gonna. Rhea's not gonna be back in time for SummerSlam. I think she. I don't. I don't know the extent of her injury. It's so. pretty extensive, but really, what is it? You know. Well, yeah, she has. To, yeah, they think they have to do something to her teeth, and then. Oh, that's also right. It was a has, brain injury. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. that's not something you're. That's not something that takes weeks to recover from. That's something that takes a couple months to recover from. Okay. Let's talk about this. This was actually. The best match of the night, honestly. By, by a mile. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'm giving it two. I love this because of the ending where there was that. And see, that's why, I gave it, oh, that's why I gave it one thumbs up. I did not like how after the match they had to highlight that. That was Bushka. Why? It was just weird. It was a weird placement for something like that, a pay-per-view. That should have waited for... Maybe even like Monday. Yeah, that should have like waited for Monday. Up. It's okay, like, so hey, that's how you evolve the storyline. Hey, this was not fair because of this. Right. And then there's this huge thing. Like, that should have waited. There, a pay-per-view is not meant to have those kinds of promos and shit in the middle. Right. A pay-per-view is just meant to have match, 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 match. Not this interruption where, oh, this all of a sudden happened. There's a new storyline development. We can't have that because people are not going to always watch the pay-per-views. Right. So we need that to be reserved for Monday. Right. Okay, I can see where you're coming from. That's why I gave, that's why I gave only one thumbs up because I did not like after the fact that happened. But otherwise, it was a fantastic match. It was a fantastic match. Uh, the close calls with a lot of these were unbelievably close. I mean, I was I was at the edge of my seat for this match. It was fantastic. And, you know, you have a different perspective than I do. I see where you're coming from. I just liked how they did it. I liked how it was like, oh, you got the pin, but there's the shoulder up. I, I can agree with you on that point. And that's how I would have made it majestic just not have that segment. I still give it a two thumbs up because I think it's a great way to go into the next one because I just have a feeling that the Bloodline are going to lose all the titles at SummerSlam. All right. So that's kind of all I've got with that match. Let's talk about this one. So we're going to do a two for here. We're going to do a two for because we have to talk there were, there about the cash. There were two different matches. This match, I'm going to give an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. I'm going to give an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I thought this was wrestled a lot better than I expected it to be, but Natalia definitely ran the show. Yeah, but I also like how the emotions were expressed with Natalia, especially mm-hmm. with Ronda. Ronda has really improved her her just facial expressions, like body her, language. Right. She's getting a lot better at that, but I think it's because of Natalia. Natalia, and here's another here's another person who has developed this character to a much different level, and she changes it. She's a chameleon. Right. She changes it for everything, but she doesn't really have to change a lot outside of just how she reacts. Right. And I think that's really indicative of how good Natalia is. I, you knew that she wasn't going to win. Right. This. You just knew it. Mm. Um, but it was a um, arm bar for Natal or for uh, Ronda to win. Excuse me. And you know, like I said, it was an okay match. That's right. why I gave an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. But then let's talk about the cash in. Cash in was an Orange Cassidy thumbs up to me. Full thumbs up for me. Um, I so, hated. So here's the thing. I hated. Absolutely hated 
how the cash-in occurred. Because Ronda Rousey was not, like, bloodied and bruised on the ground and shit. Like, she, she performed an entire match. That's not what this is meant for. This is meant for an ultimate opportunist to come in and take advantage of someone who is down also, and hurt. Very, also, here's the thing. It's, it's a, a very heel move it is. to uh, do that where Liv Morgan is, you know, a baby face. And I think they were trying to walk that tightrope, but again, it's very hard it's very hard for someone to take advantage of another, especially someone like Ronda Rousey. Like, they actually had a full, like, match, and, and Ronda tried to take that away from Liv. And, and Liv, Liv did the roll-up. It, it was a, oh, that was the weakest roll-up I have seen in a long time. Yeah, that was, was a very... weak-ass roll-up. Yep. Um, the only reason I gave an Orange Cassidy thumbs-up is because Liv Morgan won. Otherwise, it would have been it would have been at least an Orange Cassidy thumbs-down. It was a terrible way now, to cash in. I would say a full thumbs-up because, number one, Definitely deserved, and people lost their minds, and I'm very happy about that. But also, uh, Ronda Rousey demanded yes. that she would lose the title to live. Hindsight 2020. We did not know about that at the time. That came out after the show ended. Right. Here's how I would have made this majestic again. I would have had Ronda come out with maybe like like a knee brace or something, and uh, cut up no, and, and then live Morgan cash in, and then have that as the main event of SmackDown. I think, I think that, that would have been better because it's like, like you're hurt. I can take advantage of this without looking like a heel. Right. Um, and, and if you want to do then, it. And then you have a main event right. for SmackDown and, if you, and a big moment. Or if you wanted to do it after the pay-per-view, I would have brought like a weapon or two involved. I would have made it like look like you actually hurt her. Right. Like like chair shots, kendo sticks, like that sort of thing to where she just cannot maybe, maybe, uh, do anything. Oh, here's another good one. What about this? Uh, Ronda beats Natalia, right? Like kind of a roll-up fluky victory. Cool? Right. Sweet. Uh, Natalia comes back in and attacks Ronda with a kendo stick right to the bad knee. Like that's, really bad. That's what I was talking but then, about. But then no cash in that night. Wait until the following SmackDown where it's like where she can where she can inflict more damage with maybe like Ronda having a knee brace, but where Natalia comes in inflicts more damage to where she's like she has to like support herself on her arms just to stand no, up no, for the match no, no, no. to start. Uh, Liv cashes in for the main event of that SmackDown for the women's title. Number one, that would be a big match. A lot of people would be glued on that. Oh, oh like like it's actually announced as a match. Yes, announced as a match. Like I'm cashing it in tonight. See you in the main event with the knee brace. And then Natalia attacks Ronda in like the back or something, and further injuring it. But Ronda's like, I can still go. Right. Ding ding. Even even if it is a back and forth, a little back and forth match, that's still fine. And then you have a big moment. It just at the end. It, it was just kind of weird how they maybe even Natalia attacks live after and then have her established as again another contender. Right. And then that would have been better. Right. It's, it's about timing. It's about perspective. More, More people aren't going to buy the pay-per-view or click into Peacock because Liv is cashing in. They will do that for SmackDown. Yes. That's the difference. Right. So then you have that big moment. And then Natalia ruining that big moment, making her even more of a heel. Right. So that's kind of where my perspective comes in. Let's move on to the main events. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. Also, I did not have an updated thing okay. um, regarding well, Let's this. talk about Matt the competitors first. Riddle, Seth freaking Rollins, Omos, Madcap Moss, Sami Zayn, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and then Theory, who was added into the match. Comes out. Mr. McMahon's favorite pet. 
theory. I would have been fine with it if he did not win it. I'm going to give this a thumbs down. I'm going to give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. Okay, let's talk about it. Okay, I'm giving it an Orange Cassidy thumbs down because despite the wacky thing about this, I still think it's a good idea. I still think that it's putting Theory in a good heel mode for the future. And given how young he is, I think they're trying to capitalize on it as much now as possible to further impact. And really, because Money in the Bank is all about follow-up. It's a follow-up-based rivalry. This is the start of the this is the start of the program right here. Everything before this means nothing because the that's a separate program. Right. So I can see where you're coming from with um, that perspective. Right. There definitely were people that I mean I would have picked. I, I would have picked. Or, I would have. I would have either picked Riddle or Seth Rollins to win the match in general. Right. Uh, just because of that, I think Riddle because they were in Vegas, it would have been good to see have that. A, right. Would have been good to have that baby face, and also then it would have given Riddle. Yet another Cause, opportunity cause Riddle, to say in the main event right. scene. Riddle could be one of the only baby faces I could see to pull a heel move like cashing in when the champion is most vulnerable. Right. Um, that's kind of but, the but, way. But, here, but here's the issue is that Lesnar does not want to work with Riddle, which is why I think he did not win Money in the Bank. That's true. Because, um, of, because with, of Riddle's with, comments right. in the past. And, and with Seth Rollins... Um, it would have been great as a follow-up to kind of the Cody Rhodes angle, but, but we don't we but, don't we don't have a real time frame as to when Cody is going to be able to return and be healthy enough to pull through that long rivalry. Like right. that's that's more long-term thinking. Um, here's how here's how I would have done this. Actually, this would have made it even better because Drew McIntyre is getting the thing at Cardiff. Right. Like he's pretty much the shoo-in. Right. He's pretty much the shoo-in guy for Cardiff now. Hear me out here, because this one's going to be kind of weird. Sami Zayn wins Money in the Bank. He is the affiliate of the Bloodline. And with that, Lesnar beats Reigns. Sami Zayn tries to cash in, but Reigns says, give me the briefcase, gives it to him begrudgingly, you start a program with, with that, that confliction, that, that would have been interesting. And too. then Reigns cashes in successfully, beats Lesnar again for the title. I know it's not the right state of mind. Or have Reigns win, Sami Zayn cashes in but loses. Right. So I think with Sami Zayn winning, you would have had two very interesting dynamics going on there. Right. That's he true. Has, he has his golden opportunity. To cash in but, on injured but, champion, but, but, his, but his mentor is Roman his, Reigns. His affiliation with the bloodline right. being an honorary ooze. What is that there? And it's like they're already doing the manipulation with Zayn. Zayn now has money in the bank. Right. What is going on there? Right. There's a lot that could have been done with all of these superstars. With Fury winning, the problem is I do I not know their mind. Their mindset. Is he going to beat fucking Brock Lesnar? No, no, no. Like I said, I think that this is going to set something up for John Cena's program with Theory. Um, and I think what's going to happen is that John Cena is going to win it off of Theory, and then John Cena is going to win the world title. 
becoming a 17-time world champion, and he's the champion going up against McIntyre for Cardiff. You know, again, I really don't. Because I think that's the next time that that title is defended, unless Cena wants to uh, do maybe a longer stint with the title. And I think, and, and again, I don't really know what that entails, but I think the reason they gave it to Theory was because they wanted something in in the program with John Cena that wasn't the U.S. championship. I would have rather had the U.S. championship if they were going to do something like that. But that's my that's my thinking on what's happening. Right. Because it, the collision between John Cena and Theory is going to happen, and it has to be for something. And so I think that that something was the, the, the Money in the Bank uh, contract. Um, originally, it was going to be Cody Rhodes. Who's going to win this? Obviously, that didn't happen because he's injured. But they had they had to do something but on the fly. They, they could have done a lot with this. So that's kind of where I'm going to leave that off. Overall, I'm going to give the show an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. I'm going to give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I it was it was a pretty average show, I would say. For me, there were more bad moments than good moments. Um, obviously, the highlight being that banger tag match and Liv Morgan, but. It didn't really take away from just kind of lackluster performances with the, the money being glider matches, period, period in general. And then something else I noticed too before we get off, um, a lot of the superstars were uh, they were taking it very safe. Yeah. And I think that goes in line with what we were talking about last week with all the injuries. I think that they were trying to prevent as many injuries as possible. Obviously, ladder matches are not an easy way to do it. Um, but it was very noticeable as to how safe they were playing it. I can and see I that, yeah. That they, 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 weren't, they weren't getting as crazy with the ladder right. because of that. And they were pro- that's probably why Nick Khan had the meeting with them earlier. He was, he was front row, and he had a meeting with them. And I, I was sitting there wondering why, and I think that's why, because of uh, the amount of injuries that WWE and the wrestling industry are facing right now. But it was very noticeable. I think that contributed to my general lack of interest um but that's just okay. me uh that's all i've got though i'm i'm gonna agree with you um like i'll still give it an orange cassidy thumbs up because i'm really more of an optimist as it relates to that i still think there's possibilities in the future on oh there are a ton of possibilities we're, we're, uh, we're coming up on SummerSlam, so right we have like it's literally at the end of this month so they definitely need some time to play around right. with that and i think that'll be fine yeah I'm, but I'm not worried. Um, that's all i've got what are we doing next week so next week there are no pay-per-views including even the week after so uh we will let you know it is. So if you did enjoy this, remember to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening or watching this on on all major platforms. Check out the link right there in the QR code for Linktree for all of those links. Become a patron. Um, I'm about to go through that. I meant to do that today, but I didn't. Uh, well, there's so, always tomorrow. Yep, there's always tomorrow. So uh, check that out. And as always, be majestic.